This is a conversation about truth and spectacle, a podcast where we normally talk to interesting thinkers and makers about the truth and spectacle of their work. Well, today we've taken the liberty of sharing some of our own thoughts. It's the season of COVID-19 and context is everything and things are changing daily. There's a lot of very big questions that don't have answers yet. Hello, Ivan. Hello, Alex. It's episode five. Yeah, and we thought it would be a good time to reflect on the last few weeks and share our observations on our industry, our clients, our friends, and how they're dealing with uncertainty. It's kind of weird, right? We started our partnership with the idea of helping businesses use creativity to adapt to unpredictable and unprecedented changes. I think little did we know how hard and how radical those changes could suddenly be. Those changes have applied to us as well, at Truth and Spectacle, but also in our other jobs. What's changed with you, Alex? Well, I think what changed with me is A, the scenery. Um, we were very lucky to be able to leave London and live outside uh, in North Cambridgeshire now, which has made a massive difference to us. And I'm very grateful for that. The other thing that changed with me was to just remember how bad we are as humans with uncertainty and how we're trying to immediately control uncertainty. And I think that's what I've seen in the last one and a half weeks. Um, the world trying to become really bloody good in things to control uncertainty. And it's going to be really interesting to see moving forward whether we can just accept uncertainty and go back to remembering what it is that we want to do as an organization, as humans, rather than going on a rat race around how are we becoming the best remote workers to control uncertainty. It's interesting, I, um, I was invited to give a webinar last week about digital leadership and that webinar was you know, set up and planned about two months ago and I had um, prepped a beautiful little talk and uh, the day before I just ripped it all up and I went, none of that is actually helpful at the moment. And I focused on very simple things and the discussion which came out of that was quite amazing. Things that were talking around, you know, leadership with kindness and care. Things around sweat the basics. Things about doing good. How can yeah. we actually use this crazy to check in, not so much always with each other, but actually go back to the business and check in of what is working and what isn't working. Interesting you bring that up. The idea of the duty of care of the company. I'm lucky that I work with people who feel responsible for that. They feel the duty of care. Even if they haven't been asked to do it by, the, by their colleagues and by the people who can work for the company, they do take it very seriously. And I think you saw that with Facebook, you saw that with Google, sending people home a week or two before uh, government guidelines changed really came out of a, the duty of care piece. Yeah, they're looking after the insurance, they're looking after like um, claims. You, that's the negative way to, to look at it. But I would say majority of managers were worried for their people. I think that gives me some hope and faith 
in humanity, really. Like, you know, there's a lot of things have gone wrong, but I think there's also been a lot of good. So uh, what kind of questions are you encountering with your coaching work now? There's probably two big areas of questions. The first area is how do I as a human being deal with the expectations of this new world? And that means expectations from everybody, all the stakeholders, my family, the people I live with, the people I need to keep in contact with, my job, what does good look like now? And what does being productive look like? I think there is a big challenge that we have as humans. A lot of our communication is nonverbal and is signaling. We understand very clearly when a communication or a conversation is a little too long and one person would like to move on. We cannot necessarily explain that to the other person, but we have picked up on the signals that this is done. We are done. Understanding signals in this new remote world is really hard for people. There's a lot of conversations I'm having around that. How do I signal that I need help? How do I signal that I think we've done enough Zoom today without sounding rude? And actually, funnily enough, Ivan, you and me talked about that when we had our first remote dinner party. <laughs> it's really easy at the end of a dinner party um, unconscious signaling happens all the time. People pick up little sound bites, little kind of bodily meetings, and you kind of, you know, you kind of slowly all move towards the door. How do you do that online? Somebody needs to actually say, do you know what? I think we're done now. And in that moment of time, that can be quite, wow. <laughs> yes, I think I might have been guilty of doing that a few times and people are a little taken aback. It's like, are you, are you allowed to say you're done with this chat? Like, yeah, it's, it's been two hours and I have dinner to make because I'm sitting in front of a computer. <laughs> So signaling is a big part yeah. that I'm discussing with people at the moment. How do you create uh, new signals? How do you set up new um, routines, new rhythms? Very hard for people. I think the other thing is just anxiety. Um, coming back to uncertainty. Um, what is, is this actually, does this all still make sense? Why should, I, why should I turn up to work? Does it actually matter? I'm not, a, I'm not a doctor or a nurse at the NHS. Does it really matter whether that piece of content is going online today or not? So those are difficult conversations and really, really hard conversations. And I think what is not helping at the moment is that there is so much noise around us. And... Um, signaling routines rhythms on the one side and then anxiety and simple fear and grief grief for the old life is a big subject at the moment yeah i buy that i felt some grief for my old life and i think being able to have those conversations and what i always say conversations around grief do not mean that you have to give those people a solution because they're right. <laughs> there is a loss. 
it is about listening to that loss and helping them work through that, supporting you around that loss, not trying to fill that hole, but weaving a very, very strong net around that hole so that it can be hold because the hole is there. That's okay. Yep. Things have changed. Weren't you just in Amsterdam? I was three weeks ago. I was doing some work with WeTransfer and we spent two days in workshops with all of the teams and it was fabulous and high energy. And then the next morning, um, my colleague and I woke up in the morning and picked up an email, email uh, from the CEO of WeTransfer sending everybody home because somebody in the organization uh, felt unwell um, and went to the doctor and wanted to get tested, which in the Netherlands is possible. And he just decided to close the organization. And we were really, really impressed because there was actually a couple of really big things happening at that time in the organization. And you know what? Within three to four hours, my colleague and I rejigged the leadership presentation that we were supposed to be having the next morning. And we ran it on Zoom. And we were so impressed that all the leaders turned up. They were incredibly engaged. Everybody was kind. People were kind with us, realizing that something that we had prepped for probably three weeks, we had to rejig into hours. And I just loved that that atmosphere of people not immediately judging, oh, this could have been better. Oh, look, they could have done that better, but really focusing on the content and understanding and acknowledging the context. Were there some big questions in your organization to your leadership team? What were the big questions and how were you, how did you keep your door open? And that's one of the lovely questions that I'm having. How do you keep your door open in a remote way of working? What's reverse is quite lucky. Mm-hmm. So the economic hit hasn't, hasn't really hit us too hard in that regard. It's meant everyone's now remote, remote working. So we've managed to be able to deal with that and not also deal with like a business model disaster. But you could tell in one-on-one conversations with your direct reports that there were questions about what is the future of the company. And you know, the way we've dealt with that is a management team who've been quite vocal with the CEO giving him ideas as to how to talk to people, um, how to, and it's kind of weird because sometimes you don't want to do the grandstanding CEO thing. You don't want to stand up and make a, an announcement about the vision, the future, especially at a time when it's quite emotional, but it, people looking for certainty even if that certainty only lasts till the end of the day. They want to know that it'll last until the end of the day and that you don't know past then and you've been honest that you don't know past then. And tomorrow I will tell you what's happening tomorrow. And that is something we've done quite well, keeping that, that channel open. But it's this fine balance because you're also trying to keep people motivated. There's still work to be done. And that's also, like I would say, negative of... It's like switching to Zoom is that you don't necessarily, how can I put this? Sometimes we manage by checking that people are at their desks 
which is fair because some people need to be at their desks. In the land where everyone's working at home, it's quite hard to tell what they're up to. And so we, you do end up having many more Zoom check-ins, status updates, stand-ups, whatever the hell you want to call them, as a manager trying to make sure that you feel like you're on top of what's going on. Now, I'm not entirely sure a week or two weeks into that now if that's the best behavior. If, is that the right way to offer certainty? Not only for them, but for me, knowing that they're going to actually do the things that we've asked them to do. Um, and that we can, as a company, deliver the things we are tasked to do. Yeah, so this is all kind of new space, I suppose. But certainty is something that is gone. We just need to be honest about it and share what the news as we have it and the thinking as we have it. Yeah, and I, I find that actually fascinating because certainty for whom? You know, is the Zoom check-in the needed certainty for the manager? to feel that they have done a good job because if people are not doing their job, that is a much bigger question. And that question cannot be answered by a Zoom check-in. And I think the organizations who are comfortable exploring this now are going to go on a pretty interesting ride. I think what this situation has shown is that there is quite a lot of cracking in the actual bedrock <laughs> of how we work, how we live with each other, the way our healthcare systems work. And we're trying to control the cracks rather than looking at that bedrock, identifying, okay, so this is why it is cracking. And you know what? I think that's okay. I think we'll work through this. It's still early days. Very early days. One of the things that happened when you know, we had spent quite a lot of time working on Truth and Spectacle and specifically creating the workshop called Provoke, which is a game. And it was designed as an interactive game with cards. And you drew together and it was a very engaging but analog experience to you know, people in a room with crayons and bits of paper and sticky tape. And in you know, a few hours, along with many other businesses, that just went gone. Like all that design work put into bits of paper and beautiful boxes that you pull out on a table is meaningless now. You know, when the work you were doing with workshops, like specifically having to take your workshops into webinars was you had an interesting idea of taking it taking us online, which I thought was useful. I think there are some pretty awesome platforms floating around now, whether that is Miro or Mural. I've just ran coaching sessions on Remo, which originally was a conferencing platform. And what I'm finding really interesting now is the ways that these platforms are increasingly looking at creative collaboration. How do people use their creative potential to work through things, whether that is a whiteboard, um, whether those are remote posted exercises. And what I have found was that it doesn't actually matter how shiny those platforms are 
So mural is fantastic and very, very visual. Everything looks great. But I have even used the whiteboard in Zoom, um, which is not as flashy and maybe a little scrappy. But by just allowing people to draw with each other, to make a mark that is visual, a very different ways of thinking starts happening. And it is becoming even more important than just seeing everybody's faces in a Zoom conference. And that's what I found fascinating. We moved actually away from looking at everybody's faces to creating something online. That was a really fascinating journey for myself, um, both in my coaching, but also my consulting work and also in my training work. So I've been on some fabulous coaching seminars in the last couple of weeks, which were all scheduled a long time ago and which all needed to be put online very quickly. And where I got really excited was not necessarily the moments where I saw everybody else's faces. There were the moments where we started to draw together, write together, create something together. Yeah. Well, actually a very useful tool that I use is um, because I'm on a PC, a lot of them actually have touchscreens, but also an iPad. So if you do whiteboarding on an iPad or with a touchscreen and a stylus, you can do pretty good drawings. You know, so I've been subjecting my my um, poor studio colleagues to my sketches as I just draw all over their designs and tell them how to fix them. I love that. A friend of mine does that now. So she actually has um, a laptop and an iPad, and she always invites the iPad as an additional um, attendee to a um, Zoom conference. Mm to use it to draw and allow other people to draw on it as in share the screen. So I think we're really starting to explore all of these tools much better. What was interesting for me, definitely kind of making um, our provoke game into a webinar um, edition was working out how to do that stuff with whiteboards, breakout rooms, and realizing that a lot of it is just a human engaging with another human in a discussion and with props and provocations and making them think a little bit harder about a project that they're working on or a question they're trying to answer. All of which are just pretty simple techniques. You don't need, you don't need snacks. Uh, you do need breaks though. <laughs> Definitely need breaks. I think the break thing is great. So I have a post-it up in my um, study, which just says break. Um, exclamation mark, because I tend to forget that at times. I mean, something that's close to our heart is um, the idea of play as well. You know, in meetings with your colleagues that you're familiar with, you will, you do play, you do laugh, you say dumb things. Like that's a good deal of my, my life is walking around and making strange connections and having odd conversations. So part of that is the game of it. I think that's one of the things that we need to learn how to do remotely. And we can learn that by doing dinner parties with our friends and cocktail hours and after work drinks with our colleagues and using breakout rooms and use all these tools. But I think learning how to relax with a camera on you and everyone staring at you as you talk is, I think it'll come. I think it'll come. I think it'll come. At the moment, I think people see it as a conundrum, right? So I'm asking you to switch off while you're still switched on. Mm. Um, and I think the idea of a switch off button will look potentially different. 
I have a couple of fabulous um, clients at the moment who I work very intensively back around their strategy. Um, they went, now is the time to maybe reflect forward. Who are we? Mm-hmm. Are we still what we said we wanted to be? Is there something we would want to set up differently now where we have to set up everything differently? So is it the right time to actually just check back in and go, yeah, what was, what was our mission about and have we delivered it or not? And these are fascinating conversations because I think they also allow people to dream a bit. Yeah. And to redream their organization, going back to why have we been set up and then going, well, what would that mean midterm for us? Would we still do the same thing? Are we going to do things differently? But having that time to check back in, why do we exist? is pretty, pretty good and actually quite quite soul warming as a matter of fact, I think for teams, it's a, it's a very nourishing and healthy conversation. Yeah. You get to go back to your roots. It's also, you're much more experienced at what you were trying to do. You know, we make so many mistakes um, building things that in some of those mistakes stay, they stick around or they, or they, they worked at the time and now they're outdated, but you haven't come around to fixing them or updating them. I think this is yeah probably a good time to do some of that. Um, if you're able, definitely do that. Teams need to dream, you know. And brands, any brand is is created by a group of people. It's got nothing to do with a strategy document. It's about a group of people behaving in a particular way, together, consistently. And they don't do that if they don't all have a similar dream. Yeah, and giving it space, you know. As, as we say, uh, having conversations that are not about how do we fix things, but having conversations around, so when we said we would want to do this and this, what does that actually mean? What were the questions that we set up to solve? Are there new questions around that? Yeah. Are there better questions that might help us all? So thinking about new questions that will allow us solve some of the new normality, which nobody of us knows what it looks like. So I think we're all struggling with coming up with answers. It's too early for that. But starting to get teams back to the mindset of thinking about really good questions to figure out what the new normal might look like. I think that's a really interesting area to start focusing on alongside your daily keeping the ship afloat. I would assume 80% of what we have done, rightly so, was to find quick answers to some of the complicated problems. I think now we can go back to, you know, reinvigorating that muscle of going, yes, we keep doing that. And we're starting to think big. Thank you for listening. Look after yourselves wherever you are and keep creating. If you have a big question for your team and would like to play Provoke, check out our website at truthandspectacle.com. If you have any questions or comments, you can find us on LinkedIn 
just search for Alexandra Mecklenburg or Ivan Pulse or on Instagram, look for the Truth and Spectacle or look at the show notes. Extra thanks to Richard and Robin for their never-ending fortitude and distancing. This was recorded in London and has been a Truth and Spectacle production. Mm-hmm.